this series, if you're new to City Hills or maybe you missed the last couple of weeks of this series, I'd encourage you to catch up on the podcast. We are looking into, sort of picking out of the book of Daniel and really asking this one main question that Daniel sort of gives us this example on is how do you live a godly life? How do you live godly in an ungodly culture? Sort of how do you, when culture starts shifting and when you look around the world and it looks like the world's going crazy, it looks like everything's upside down, nothing makes any sense, how do you live your life sort of, you know, honoring God in a culture that doesn't just appear to be, you know, not godly, but really running the other direction as fast as it possibly can? How do you live your life that way? And so we're looking at, I think Daniel's a great example of that in the book of Daniel. If you're, if you're new to the Bible, Daniel is a teenager, most scholars believe he's 15, 16 17 years old, when he is part of uh, the nation of Israel, is taken into captivity by the Babylonians. And Daniel is one of the slaves that is taken into captivity during that, uh, during that time. And it's, uh, it's really, uh, he lives his whole life there. They're there 70 years in Babylon, and Daniel lives his whole life sort of in this foreign land and in this culture that's really, you know, turned its back against God. And so Daniel, the, the, most of the book of Daniel... Is, is sort of him constantly at odds with uh, his current culture. And so in week one of this series, we talked about when culture shifts, when you realize you don't fit in, the first thing culture tries to do is rename you. Then it tries to give you another name and sort of you know subvert and really pervert the, the identity God's given you, the purpose God has for you, the, the way that God's called you, uniquely gifted you, the purpose that he's put in your life. The first thing that Babylon did to Daniel and his friends was rename them. And I think it's the first thing that culture tries to do to you. It tries to get you to question your identity, who you are in Christ, how God designed you. We said you gotta, you got to know who you are. you got to know who God called you to be. I'm not who culture says I am. As a matter of fact, on that first week, we said the best way to identify with Christ was through water baptism. And 12 people, y'all, were raised a brand new life in water baptism. Yeah. Fantastic weekend. And then last week, week two, which by the way, week two, I was uh, able to preach in another location and you guys joined in uh, to that. And just a fantastic through the miracle of technology. I absolutely love that we're able to do that. I'm preaching two places at once, you know, several hundred miles apart. I was in Houston uh, preaching and you all were joining in here and our team did a fantastic job. Uh, they always do uh, with that. But we talked about sort of Daniel living this exceptional life. The Bible said he distinguished himself from everybody else, lived a life. And we said you couldn't make a difference if you weren't different. That you got to live your life in such a way that everybody looks at it and goes, man, there's something different about him, about her, that I really want that kind of life. Like, I want that kind of marriage. I want that kind of joy. I want that kind of peace. And so today, we're going to kind of shift to a story in the book of Daniel that if you've been around church for a while, you know. You've heard it uh, probably multiple times. And I want to sort of give you uh, uh, really my Father's Day message, but honestly, it's for everybody else in the room. It's not just for dads or just for men. Uh, it's, it's, it's a popular story right out of God's, and I'm going to read a lot of it right out of God's Word to sort of give you this whole, uh, this whole history of where we are. It's found in the book of Daniel in the fifth chapter. So if you have your Bibles, turn there, or you can follow along on the screen. The Bible says this, that Belshazzar, King Belshazzar, who is the son of King Nebuchadnezzar. The last two weeks, we've talked about Nebuchadnezzar, the king, who actually conquered Israel, took them in, took Daniel in as a slave. Nebuchadnezzar's gone crazy. He's now not the king, and his son, Belshazzar, is the king. And King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles. I know some of y'all think you got turned up in college. You ain't never had a thousand people at a party. 
That's turned up, you hear me? So a thousand of his nobles come to this party. You can imagine sort of the, the breath of this kingdom. And they, drank, and they drank wine with them. This is an interesting part. And I want to I pause here and tell you. When you see this phrase in the Bible, when you see drinking or drink wine, there's a reason why the Bible puts it there. It's, it's, it's actually what's happening. I mean, there's, there's an actual, you know, they're drinking, you know, wine in this. It's, it's actually literal. But there's also this other meaning that every time you read it in your Bible, it's accompanied with this kind of carefree attitude that anything goes, nothing matters. We're just having a good time. The Bible would say, you know, they drink and be merry. You know, it's, just, it's this idea that, you know, nothing matters. My, you know, nothing matters in life. We're just having a great time. You know, living in the big easy, let the good times roll. You know what I'm saying? Like that, and that's sort of the attitude of Belshazzar in this time. And, and every time you see that uh, mentioned specifically spelled out in the Bible. So they're drinking wine, having a good time, nothing matters. Belshazzar was drinking his wine. He gave orders to bring the gold and silver goblets, the cups, that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. Remember, they uh, raid the temple of the Most High God, and they take out all of the instruments they use that the Jews used to worship God. They took all of them into captivity into Babylon. So Belshazzar says, Go bring me all those so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, can drink from them. But let me pause here and also tell you, you know you've kind of lost your mind and don't care anymore when you got your wives and your concubines in the same room. Come on, everybody. That's a little pause right there for all the fellas. So they brought, so, so his servants did what he told them to do. They brought their gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God. These holy things that, that had been dedicated to, to worshiping the one true God. They brought them and the king and his nobles and his wives and his concubines start drinking from them. This thing that was holy is now unholy. Next verse. And as they drank the wine, they praised the, notice the l- lowercase, they praised the little gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. And while this sort of thing is going on, where they're having this you know, carefree life, nothing matters, anything goes, you know, life doesn't matter, choices don't matter, decisions don't matter, bring me these holy things that they're now making unholy and sort of dedicating them to these other gods. While all this is going on, this crazy thing Starts happening. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall. Now, a lot of times in the Bible, you'll read something one time that God does one time and 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 never again. And this is one of those things that like this, like like burning bush, never happens again. Handwriting on the wall never happens again. But this is the way God got Belshazzar's attention here. I don't know how this happened. I don't know if it was the whole arm, you know, like just from the elbow up. I don't know if it was just the fingers. I don't know if it was like the Adams family and like there's a box and it comes up. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I'm just telling you some fingers that start writing on the wall there near the lampstand of the royal palace. And the king, I love this line of the Bible. You, you all don't find as much humor in the Bible as I do. But the king watched as the hand wrote. So you get a few bottles of wine in. You start seeing hands writing on the wall. And you just like. <laughs> anybody know that friend? Don't point at anybody in here. Just He's just watching it. And his face turned pale. Mine would too. After, after a, lot, a lot of wine and handwriting on a wall, his face turned pale and he was so frightened that his legs started having fellowship with one another. They get so weak and they start knocking together. His knees are knocking together. And the, Actually, one translation says he loses his balance. Like he's almost passing out here. And the king is terrified at what he just sees. He calls for the enchanters, astrologers, diviners, at his, like everybody that worked for him in Babylon. And he said to these wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing that, that the hand just wrote on the wall and tells me what it means 
will be clothed in purple, have a gold chain placed around his neck, and he'll be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Now, let me, let me sort of skip down. I won't read it, but I'll tell you the way the story ends. They could not interpret it. All of the astrologers and diviners and sort of these, you know, these people in Babylon that, that Belshazzar had put his faith in could not interpret the dream, had no idea. Because, listen close, because all the mysteries of God, listen, God is the only one who has all the answers to them. That was better than you just a man, so I'm going to say it again. There's some stuff in life. As a matter of fact, there's some mysteries about your life. God has mysteries in your life that you will only find answers to the secrets of God in your life when you connect back to the God who holds your life in His hands. Say amen to that. Psalms 139 says it like this, that all of the days were ordained before me were written in your book. David's talking about God. He said they were written in your book before one of them came to be. In other words, God has a book on your life that's complete and He has some mysteries in your life that you will not be able to find out until you get connected to Him. There's some stuff in your life. Listen, this is for everybody in the room. If you don't hear anything else I say, hear this. There's some stuff in your life, some mysteries in your life, some why did this happen? Where did this come from? Why was I designed this way? Why did God put me in this situation? Why did my life take this turn? There's some things about your life that you will never know and never understand until you connect to the God who wrote the book on your life. Shout amen to that. So these, these astrologers couldn't do it because they, they didn't, it didn't come from them. It came from God. And, and for Belshazzar to understand the mysteries that God was trying to tell him, he had to connect to somebody who was connected to God. It's the reason why I want you to know God in this church is because I want you to get connected to God so that there's some mysteries in your life that will never make sense. Why was I raised? But Father's Day and Mother's Day, there's sort of the, the you know, all that stuff kind of comes to the surface. Why was I born in this house? You ever looked around your family and thought, "How I got to be adopted? Somebody's not telling me something." How, why was I born in this house? And, it's, and and for some of you, it's not funny. Why did my dad leave? But why did he leave mom? Why 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 did why was there so much yelling and beating and abuse and like what? There's some mysteries in your life that honestly, I meet people every week who go all over the world trying to find the answer to the mystery of why did this happen. Why, why is my life this way? Why did it turn out this way? Why did I get, you know, in this situation? Why did we marry, marry this person? Why, you know, just what, how did life go this way? And you'll never find the answer until you connect to the God who wrote the book on your life. And then I've met people who connect to God and suddenly things in their life just, you just have, the, and has that ever happened? Let me just ask, has that happened to anybody when you go, I didn't even know this about my life until I connected to God and now suddenly things open up in my life. And that's exactly what sort of happens here. You can't figure out some of your life apart from God. And so Belshazzar's wife comes to him. Let me just, all the men in the room, let me help you right here. It's better for you to just go to your wife early and go ahead and ask her, do you have any advice for me? Because here's what your wife's doing. Your wife probably has the answer. She's just letting you walk it all the way out till you stumble across the answer so you can be the hero. Come on, everybody. All the women know what I'm talking about there. But they know the answer already. More times in my life than not, I'll go around an hour, two hours, and then I'll go to Brandy and go, Brandy, what do you think? And she'll tell me exactly what I should have done. And then I'll get mad and say, why didn't you tell me that earlier? Don't ever hold that for me again. <laughs> And so Belshazzar's wife comes to him. He, he, he contacts all of these astrologers, all of these people from Babylon. His wife goes, hey, by the way, babe, I don't know if you've thought about this, but your dad, Nebuchadnezzar, he brought up one of the Hebrew slaves named Daniel, 
when he had a dream. Daniel, the second chapter, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And, and he brought Daniel up, and he could interpret that dream. Maybe he could interpret your dream. And Belshazzar said, that's a great idea I just had. And his wife said, you're, you're so wise, a great king. So, so th- this is what happens in verse 13. So Daniel, he calls for Daniel. And Daniel is brought up to before Belshazzar the king. And the king said to him, are you Daniel, one of the exiles that my father the king brought from Judah? And, and this is interesting that he says this. He says, I have heard that the spirit of the... He doesn't even know what he's saying here. He uses a lowercase. He said, the spirit of the gods is with you. He said, there's, there's something inside of you that's different. Let me, let me stop here and say, men, women, moms, dads, even if they don't know what it is about you, they know there's something different about you. There's got to be something inside of you that's different than everybody else. What we talked about last week, got to be something. And, and, and Belshazzar didn't even really know what it was. He said, I don't know if it's the spirit of the gods or what it is. It was the spirit of the living God. Say amen to that, everybody. It's inside of you. And because of that, you have insight and intelligence and outstanding wisdom. And, and I, the wise men, the enchanters, everybody else I called were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means. But they could not explain it. Now, I've heard from my wife. I love how he doesn't give his wife credit. He just said, I heard from my wise counsel that, that you were able to give interpretations and, and to solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing, the next verse, if you can read this writing and tell me what it means, then you will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck and will be made third highest ruler in all of the kingdom. And Daniel sort of in this story, I won't, I won't read it on the screen, but Daniel sort of in this story, he, he tells Belshazzar, listen, I don't do this for the money. Like, it's not about, like, I don't need two chains. Come on, where are my two chains? I don't need two chains. I don't need, don't laugh at that. That's not funny. Don't do that. I don't need your gold chains. I don't need, I don't need purple. I don't need any of that. I don't need to be made third highest. God gave me this ability. And God's trying to communicate with you. The living God that I'm in contact with is trying to communicate with you. And he's trying to give you a warning. And then Daniel tells Belshazzar, remember, though, that your dad had this same occurrence happen. He tells him the same thing that Belshazzar's wife says. Remember when Nebuchadnezzar called me and said, could you interpret this dream? And I did, and it was a warning to Nebuchadnezzar, your father, that he did not heed. He didn't heed the warning God gave him through the dream. And so the, and the Bible bears this out. The story tells this. Belshazzar would have remembered this. Nebuchadnezzar goes insane for seven years. Crazy. You, Belshazzar's like, oh yeah, I remember that time daddy didn't wear clothes. You know what I'm saying? Like just... I remember that time he just sat around rocking, you know, with no clothes on. For seven whole years, the Bible says Nebuchadnezzar goes insane because he doesn't heed the warning that God gives him. And, and Daniel says to Belshazzar, don't, don't do this. Like, I, I, I'll interpret this for you, but do not do what your father did. Verse 23, instead, he said, you thought you'd just been living your life for you and carefree and doing whatever you wanted to do. You thought it was just you're having a party. You, you brought in these golden and silver, all these things from the temple of God. You thought it was just about you, but instead, you've actually set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. See, when you were far from God, you weren't just living your own life. The Bible says you were setting yourself up against God. You actually lived your life in a way that is setting yourself up against the Lord of heaven. Let me just tell you, if there's a side of the equation I want to be on, it's on God's side and not against him. Amen, everybody? But Daniel tells Belshazzar, you've set yourself up against the God of heaven. You had the goblets from this temple brought to you. And you and your nobles and your wives and your concubines, you drank wines from them. And you praised the gods of silver and gold and bronze and iron and wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. 
This is where most people that I meet, when they come to God broken, this is where they are. They're searching for things and trying to find meaning and purpose to the mysteries of their life in things that can't see, hear, or understand them. It's chemicals, it's alcohol, it's stuff, it's porn, it's, it's relationships, it's sex, it's, it's wherever I can go, whatever I can do to try to fill up this. I don't know why this happened. There's some secrets to my life. There's a purpose inside of me that's locked up. And so you try all of these different avenues to unlock the secrets of your life. And, and then you find out, hopefully sooner rather than later, that they can't see or hear or understand. That, that it, didn't, it didn't give me in, any pleasure. Daniel said, this is what you've been chasing, Belshazzar. You did not honor the God who holds in His hand your life. What, what, an, what an amazing illustration. That you've been sort of chasing around these other gods who can't hear you when you pray. When you cry late at night and try to find the meaning of your life and the purpose of your life and why did God put you on this planet. And they can't understand you. They can't hear you. They, they, they can't see you. But there is a God, capital G, who holds your life in His hand in all of your ways. Therefore, in light of the fact that you, that you did not you know, sort of look to Him, you did not turn your heart to Him, therefore He said a hand that wrote the inscription on the wall. God sends you this warning. God sort of tells Belshazzar, you took these holy things and you made them unholy. You started living your life, connecting to things that don't give you meaning in life. One of the things I love about this church, and if you come here very long, you're going to, you're going to hear me talk about all the time, is you're in a church that connects you to the purpose that God has for your life. And that, and that some of us are living our lives connecting the things that don't contribute to the purpose of our lives, to the meaning of our lives. God tells Belshazzar, he, listen, God holds your whole life in his hand, so you need to get connected to the one who's holding you anyway in his hand. And, and then he sort of says, so he writes this inscription on the wall. And we actually use this as a phrase now in our culture. When there's imminent doom, we always say, you know, the handwriting's on the wall. Anybody ever said something like that? Like, I say that to some of you ugly single guys who are dating, you know, good-looking women. I'm like, ah, handwriting's on the wall. <laughs> but for real. You know, the handwriting's on the wall. It's just, there's imminent doom. And, and we use that to sort of talk about, you know, something that's just not going to happen. It's just the handwriting's on the wall. And, and we get it from this story because there's imminent doom coming. And God tells Belshazzar through Daniel, there's, there's imminent doom coming. There's a handwriting on the wall. In Daniel 5 and 26, uh, 5 and 25, here's what he said. So this is the inscription. And, and if you're a, a Bible student, this isn't actually a language that, that Belshazzar or Daniel would know. This, it's, it's almost like God goes to Gabriel and says, hey, let's just make something up. Like, uh, go with this. Meanie, meanie, Tickle Parson. Put that down. Literally. This, like, it's not even. And, so, and, and, that's the, and that's the language that shows up on. This is the, the, the phrase. And, and it shows up on the wall. This, this handwriting's on the wall. And, and, and God says, let me give you an end time warning based on what's written on the wall. And honestly, the next 10 or 15 minutes we have together, I really want to give you the end time warning that God gave to Belshazzar. That if you don't live your life in a way that honors God, that realizes that God holds your life in His hands, that, that there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, pro, there's a prophetic warning to you that dooms on its way. And, and this is what it means. It, it, the first one is many, the first word. And it, it literally means God has, the word literally means numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to the end. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it 
to an end. You, you only have, God tells Belshazzar, you only have a certain predetermined number of days. And listen, everybody, you don't get to decide those number of days. God does. God has predecided the number of days in your life. Your days are numbered. And, and, and in the last days, so many people, and maybe you're here today and this warning is for you, write this down. We forget that our days are numbered. And we start living our lives like I have more time to go, like I got all this time left in the world. Because anything that you think you have a lot of, you tend to squander. And anything that you think you have a limited supply of, you tend to spend wisely. Amen, everybody? Uh, This is true in my life. It's been true uh, for a lot of my life. I know it's hard to tell by looking at me in this European cut shirt, but I like sweets a lot. And more than I should. And, and so I, I, I live this out in my life. We'll go out to eat. This is a true story. We'll go out to eat. And we'll get a dessert. And if I, like, I won't eat all of the dessert then because I'm looking at this pie and there's only, there's only one slice. Like it's only, there's, we've only got this uh, limited amount of it. So I'll tell, she, it makes her crazy. I'll tell Brandy, my wife, well, I'm going to eat half of this. And then I want you to put like, we're going to get a thing, put it in your purse and bring it home. <laughs> Because later, <laughs> later tonight around 11.30 when y'all are all asleep, your boy get hungry. You know what I'm saying? And I, that pie starts calling my name. Yes, Lord. where are, Speak, your servant is listening. And I got a limited supply of this and I start spending it wisely. I don't, go, I don't just go crazy pouring pie all over my head. I got to save this. I only got one slice. If I got a whole pie, I'll get, I'll get crazy. I'll get two or, three pie, two, two or three slices deep before I think about it. You go to Thanksgiving or you go to Christmas, you got a whole pie there. You'll start making bad decisions. When I got one slice, I spend it differently. Listen close. You, you, you tend to squander what you feel like you have a lot of. But you spend wisely what you feel like you don't have a lot of. God tells Belshazzar, your days are numbered. You don't have a lot of days. I grew up in a house where my dad, it's Father's Day, my dad, some of the earliest memories I can have is my dad walking through the house, following my, I have a little brother, I have a younger brother, he's not little, he's actually taller than me, I have a younger brother, and and he would walk through the house and follow us and turn the lights off after us. Any dad in the house do that? Anybody raised in a house like that? And I I can hear him in my head right now ask us, why do you boys turn every light in the house on? And he would, he would go through and he'd turn all the lights off in the house. Now, now that I'm a little older, I realize that 40-watt bulbs are probably not changing the world. You know what I'm saying, everybody? Like, Daddy, like, like the light bill didn't change all that much. But in his head, like, we, we weren't raised, you know, he doesn't have a ton of money. Well, you can just leave all the lights on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But, or turn the AC up. You know what I mean? When, you, when, you, when you're broke, you'll sit in the AC when it's 85 degrees. You'll, you'll just turn the AC up because you ain't trying to turn it down. I'm talking about don't turn the, don't turn the AC down. Anybody know that? But when you get a raise at work, you'll, you'll drop that joint down to 63. You'll be sitting in the house. I want to wear a turtleneck inside. I don't even care because I got money. I don't even care. Turn it down. It ain't cold enough in here. But when, you, but when, you don't, when you're broke, y'all ain't been broke like I've been broke. When you broke, you turn that AC off. You know what I'm saying? You're like, baby, it's okay. We can put a box fan in there. It's like living in a hair dryer. It's just, it's just hot and windy. That's all it is. Because you broke, and you got to limit the supply of AC we got. We only got a little bit, and we spend it differently. When you realize that your life is numbered, that the days of your life are numbered, then you spend them differently. 
And when you feel like you've got a lot, I got, I, I constantly, I, I, it's, it's always going to be here. No, 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 listen, let, let this be the warning to you. Let, let, one of my jobs as your pastor is sort of to sound the alarm in your life that your days are numbered. That you don't have an unlimited supply. That I, I have to remind you that your days are actually shorter than you think. And they go by faster than you think. And how you spend them matters. You can't spend your life connecting to things that don't, that don't get in your purpose, that don't, that don't feed what you're called to do with your life because I only have a certain amount of these. i got to spend them wisely. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Say amen. Our days are numbered. And God tells Belshazzar, your days are numbered. You don't have an unlimited supply here. And it's a prophetic warning, I think, to our church. I think it's a prophetic warning to you. Hopefully on Father's Day, maybe you'll take this home and go, how, how do I spend what I have a limited supply of? Verse 27, the second word, the first one is numbered, it's that your days are numbered. The next word is tekel, and it literally means weighed. That's that's the operative word. That you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Now this is an interesting, this is probably one of my favorite illustrations in this story. Because, I'm going to teach you a spiritual principle that some people have never heard in your life. God does not count by quantity. God, when God looks at your life, it is about weight. There is weightiness given to certain things in your life. It, it, the, the theological word is divine order. That there's an order to your life and some things belong in front of other things because they weigh more than other things. And God tells Belshazzar, listen, your life is out, your life is out of balance. And, and in the last days, here's what we do. Write this down. We allow our lives to get out of balance. Now listen, I don't mean out of balance like equal. Because the biggest lie of the enemy to a Christian is that your life will have balance and equal. It will not. Look at me in the eyes. It will never be balanced equally. Because some things weigh more than others. What God says to Belshazzar is, I've put put your life in this balance and something is found wanting. In other words, the heavy stuff, the stuff that matters, it weren't in the scales. The only thing that was there is the stuff that's light. And so many people live their lives putting stuff on the scales that don't matter in the grand scheme of eternity. I want you to get a good house. I want you to have a white picket fence. I want you to have 2.5 kids. I want you to have a little puppy. I want you to have all, I want you to have all of that stuff. I want you to have a boat. I want you to call me to go with you on your boat. I want you to have a lake house. I want you to have a mountain house. I want you to go skiing. I want you to take three vacations. I want, I want your kids to go to college, preferably the SEC. I want, to, I want everything in your life to go that way. But listen, all of that stuff doesn't weigh as much as I want you to live out your purpose that God designed you for. Whether you clap or not, it's the truth. Listen, some stuff weighs more than others. Your kids serving God is more important to me than your kids starting for an Alabama football team. Or UT or A&M. Anybody else? No. That's it. Listen, it, it means more. It doesn't mean your kid can't start. I got a little boy who's built like a tree stump. If God wills, he will play football for the SEC in Jesus' name. That's my retirement plan, so y'all don't have to take care of me. <laughs> but, but listen to me. If he, never play, if he never tosses a football, the most important thing is whatever God called him to be, that I equip him, empower him, and train him to live out who God called him to be. Some things weigh more than others. 
What, what in your life are you out of balance on? What, what are you spending your life that do, doesn't have as much weight as others? I, I read this when I was studying for this message about how we spend our time as Americans. The average American I read recently eats out 14,411 times. 14,411 times in your lifetime, the average American eats out. Of that 14,000 times, 1,811 of them, on average, are at McDonald's. Y'all, we can do better. Come on, everybody. At least let it be Whataburger. Where you at on that? Let it be, let it be something else. Don't, if you're going to do it, don't waste it at McDonald's. That's not the way to go out. If you go out, go out with Whataburger on your breath. Say amen to that. The average, the average American spends 13 years and 4 months watching television. In, in your lifetime, the average American spends five years of their total life waiting in line. How many of you feel like you've done that this year already? <laughs> like I've, I've already spent all five years. Just, I just wait all the time. I wait in traffic. I wait in line. The average American in, in the course of your lifetime will spend one whole year looking for misplaced items. For me, it's more like two, two and a half years of my life are looking for my keys. I, it, like that's We just spend our life this way. The, the average American in, in your lifetime... We'll spend 620, you'll drive 627,000 miles. The average American drives 627,000 miles. I looked it up at the widest part of the earth. That would be that you, in, in our lifetime, the average American will drive around the center of the earth 25 times. So here's the big question about how we spend our time. Was it worth it? Should we have done all the things that we did. The problem with life is that it's linear and you can't go back. So you get to the end, you get to the end and, 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 and you know, your life, eternity past, eternity going this way and your life's right in the middle right here. You can't rewind and play back. So you get to the end and you ask yourself, did, is there something wanting? Did, did I do the things that weigh the most? Did I spend my life? You, you can't burn the candle at both ends and be bright, everybody. You, you can't keep adding things to your calendar. I'm going to teach you the most spiritual word you'll get today. Everyone look at me in the eyes. Form this word with your mouth. No. No. No, we're, no we can't do anymore. No. No, we've, we've already got seven sports on the calendar this week. We're not doing the eighth. I know my kid probably will excel in underwater basket weaving. But we're already playing seven. We're just going to stick with seven. <laughs> No, just no. Just I, we're gonna say we're gonna we're gonna eat around the dinner table. I know that sounds old fashioned, everybody. I don't mean the McDonald's dinner table. I mean the one in your house. You know the old one your grandma gave you that you've got all the stuff piled up on. Clear it off. Get you some hamburger helper where y'all at. <laughs> Fix it for you. Say I don't cook. That's okay. Find somebody who does. Go go order out and put it on your plates. Come on, somebody, and sit down around your table and look at your kids in the face because some stuff weighs more than others. And God tells Belshazzar, you're out of balance. Like there's, there's some stuff. It's not contributing to your purpose. In verse 28, the last of the phrase, and I know this looks like a different word. Actually, the word was parson, and that, that's the plurality of this word. This is the singular word, and it means divided. It literally means divided. And he said, this is the last warning. He said, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Perds. Look at me in the eyes. If you do not realize your days are numbered, 
and start living your life like you have a limited supply and start living your life on purpose and doing something in your life that matters and meaning and the weighty stuff gets weight, then here's the warning from God for you that it will be divided, that something in your life will get divided. It could be your marriage. It could be your health. It could be peace and joy. It could be your sleep. Come on, everybody. It could be your kids or addiction. In this case, for Belshazzar, it was his kingdom. And it, was, and it wasn't just divided, but it was given to the Medes and Persians. The, one of the hardest warnings I have to tell you is if you don't heed the first two, that your days are numbered and there's some stuff in your life that counts more than others, that weighs more than others, then the enemy, your enemy, will take what was supposed to be yours. It will be divided and given to your enemy. And, 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 I, and I wish I could give you better uh, statistics, but I, I, I counsel way too many people who get to my office after the division. After their kingdom that God had, after their family, their marriage, their stuff, their peace, their joy, their finances, their, their health. Their, after all of that stuff has been given over to their enemy and already split up and destroyed. Then, then you know, then they come. And, and listen, God can fix and God can heal. And I'm not telling you all of that. But God, these are warning signs that God's trying to save you from pain, everybody. Because the last thing we do in the last days is we ignore the warning signs. If you're a nurse or a doctor today, you know the warning signs of a heart attack. You get chest pains and shortness of breath and, and, and your arm goes numb. And, and, and there's commercials and ad campaigns telling everybody, don't ignore the warning signs because the warning signs could save your life. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if you'll heed the warning early enough. Oh, God, I, whew, I feel like preaching. If you'll heed the warning early enough, then I can save you from a heart attack. Listen to me, everybody in the room. If you'll heed the warning of God early enough, I can save you divorce. I can save you rehab. Let, me, let God try to save you from addiction and problems and mess-ups and adultery and marriage and stuff. Let, let me try to save you. Here's the warning sign. But the longer we, we, we just... We just live our lives ignoring the warning signs. And we think, we actually think that the warning signs that we get from God, God should be delivering us from. Because pain, write this in your notes, I didn't put it on the screen. Pain is a gift from God to get your attention. Some of us are praying that God would take away the pain and God says, no, 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 you don't understand. I put those chest pains there so you'd go to the ER. You don't understand. I'm putting pain in your marriage so that you'll, you, you'll get right and you'll fix it before it gets divided and destroyed. I put pain that you have in your life right now so that you can repair and restore before it gets destroyed. And God tells Belshazzar, like, there's a warning sign. It's going to happen in your life. This pain that you're experiencing, it's, it's, sent, it's a gift from God to get your attention. But, verse 29, Belshazzar says thank you to Daniel. Daniel was clothed in purple, given a gold chain, proclaimed the third highest in the kingdom. And that, underline this in your Bible, that very night, the king, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was killed. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom. And it was divided. 
And I'm not the kind of guy that, that's going to tell you today's the day that everything's going to you know, go, go, go wrong in your life and think you know, you're going to die in a car wreck today. God, I'm, I'm, we just don't, I don't use those sort of scare tactics. But I will tell you this, that there's some biblical precedent that you just never know when. That you just never know when. That you just don't know. And, and, and sort of those first two warning signs are, are really what I want to get your attention before it gets to the end. Before there's division and destruction. That you learned a number. So what do we do? Write these down and we'll pray and we'll, and we'll go home, everybody. What, what do we do with this? How do we live my life different? Here's the first thing. You've got to live with a sense of purpose and urgency. Live your life, Henry, come play, with a sense of urgency and purpose. Live with a sense of purpose and urgency. It's not enough to just live your life with purpose. You've got to live with urgency. If your life matters, and it does, if it really does count, if, 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 if really your days are numbered and they are, if really God designed you and He has a book on your life, then as quickly as you can, go to the one who can give you that purpose. Get connected to God and, and, and live your life in that purpose. I tell people this all the time. One of the things I love about this church is we give you a pathway. We don't just preach it to you. I'll give you a system called the growth track to help you discover your purpose and then start living that out. And it happens every 100% of the time it happens that your problems start to diminish when you start discovering your purpose and living with urgency because I found something to give my life to bigger than my problems. Your life will start making more sense when you live with urgency and purpose. This day counts. This moment counts. Where I'm at right now counts. It counts. It counts. Dads, it counts. Listen, I have a six and a half year old and a three and a half year old little kid. Brandy and I talked just the other day laying in bed at night and we said it goes by so fast. Mark, does it go by fast? You've raised three godly kids. It go by so fast. I got to live with purpose and urgency. I got to get on mission. I cannot waste one more week not on mission. Uh, listen, uh, don't worry. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to be the, the killjoy at the party, everybody. But I got a mission here. I got to live with purpose, and I got to. I got because David says it like this in Psalms 39. Lord, remind me. How brief my time on earth will be. And remind me that my days are numbered. That my life is fleeing away. It's going so fast. And my life is, it's honestly, David says it's no bigger than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment. Human existence is just a breath. Teach me to live with purpose and urgency. Here's the second thing. Write this down. you got to put first things first. If you're going to fix this, if you're going to heed the warning you got to put first things first. Listen, it's called, the theological term is divine order. God, God doesn't count in quantities. He counts in weights. you got to put the stuff in that matters most. John Maxwell has a fantastic illustration with a jar. And he talks about putting the big rocks in first. If you'll put the big rocks in the jar first, then you can get smaller rocks in. They'll fit in around the bigger rocks. And you can put sand and water in. And you, you can get more in the jar if you'll put the big rocks in first. Listen, your life will make more sense if you'll do the first things first. I, I give, it's, it's why I love that you come to church every week. Don't stop it. Bring as many people as you can because I give God the first part of my week so that He can bless the rest of my week. 
I, you ought to get up in the morning and pray and, and read your Bible. It doesn't have to be an hour. Give God 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 30 minutes in the morning. Why? Because if I put God first, the first part of my day, then the first things have the power to bless the rest of it. The rest of my day is different. That's why tithing, it's, it, listen, it's just a test of first. It's saying, God, I put you first in my finances, and because of that, it has the power to bless everything I have left. Put first things first. Matthew 6 says it like this, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then everything else in your life adds up when you put the weighty things in first. And here's the last thing, and we got to go. i got to pray. Here's the last thing. Do it now. Like, do it now. Don't delay. If I can give you any warning, it's this. Do it today. Find your purpose now. Get on the growth track now. Join the church today. If not this one, I think it ought to be this one. But if it's not, go somewhere. I tell people, I shouldn't tell you all this. When people tell me we've decided to go to another church, you know, I look them right in the eye and say, you better get connected there. I want to call me when you start serving over there. Because I really want you to get connected to a local church. I think it ought to be this one. I think everybody ought to get connected to this one. But I, I don't care where. Just get plugged in. Do it today. Don't shop around for the next two years. Do it today. That's pastoring. Y'all don't even pay for that. Do it now. Get like get get go all in. Go all in right now. Change your schedule right now. Look at your calendar tonight on Father's Day with your kids and scratch some stuff off. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. I'm coming home at this time. I'm turning my phone off at this time. Come on, you need to have a phones off policy in your house. If you got, I'm helping you parents right now. If you got teenagers, they, 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 you don't need Snapchat, nothing else past 8, 9, 10 o'clock. Who they, who they talking to? Turn it off. Put it up. We're, we're eating dinner together. Turn your phone off. Do it now. i got to live with purpose. I only have a short amount of days. I'm going to do it now. Because Corinthians says it like this. Today. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the time God wants to bless your life. Before it gets out of hand. Before the, the, the kingdom's divided. Now is the time. Now's the day of salvation. Bow your heads all over the house. Close your eyes. Nobody moving. Give me two more minutes and and I'll let you go. We'll be on time today, I promise. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person in this room who who feels the strain of this warning in their life. That this prophetic warning that you gave to the king, maybe you're giving to us today. Maybe dads or moms or wives, husbands, maybe young people, 20-somethings, who are living our lives as though we have unlimited time. God, I just got a few days. My days are, teach me to number my days. Teach me, God, that, that I got to live my life on purpose. I got to put first things first. I got to do the stuff that matters first. Help me to do it today. If you... If, if you, if you know this, warning's for you. Nobody's looking. Everybody's eyes are closed. Everybody's hit. Come on, everybody. These are, these are holy moments. Just, I'm asking you not to, not to look around. Just, just respect that people are making life-changing decisions. If you say, Pastor Mitch, I need you to include me in this prayer. Like, I need this. i I got to heed this warning. Or my life is on its way to division and destruction. With nobody looking, would you just raise your hand and say, include me in this prayer. I see you. 
I see you. Hands up everywhere. I see you, sir. I see you, ma'am. I see couples. I see you. Now, Lord Jesus, come on, everybody praying in the room. God, in light of my hand going up, or maybe it didn't go up, but I know this is for me, I give you my heart today. God, I give you everything in my life. God, help me to order my life in such a way that I live with divine purpose and urgency. God, that, that I just, I don't just waste my time living any old way, doing whatever I want. No, 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 i got to get on mission. I'm going to live as a parent, as a husband, as a spouse, as a wife, as a mom, as a dad, as a child of God, as a missionary to this world. i got to live on purpose. Help me to number my days. Help me to live with purpose and urgency. Help me to put the first things in my life. Come on, everybody praying this way. Help me to put the first things first. God, help me tomorrow to put what's first first. God, you matter more to me than anything else. I'm going to put that in first. My time with you, my devotion, my God's word, in my finances, in, in my week, in my serving, in my, time, in my calendar. You're first. You're first. I make a commitment today. Give you my whole life. In Jesus' name, everybody shout a big amen.